Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. As loved ones of first responders and military personnel, we often face life situations and challenges that many others don't experience. And while each of us and our experiences are unique, together we can learn from one another and become stronger in this journey of life. Now let's step out of mediocrity. It's time to thrive. Hi guys, welcome to The Waiting Warriors this week. I'm very excited, and I know I say that often, but I'm really, really excited because today I have one of my best military wives' friends, (laughs) Um, Ashley Evans. Welcome to the show, Ashley. Thanks for having me. So I met Ashley, oh gosh, five? Five years ago? I guess like five, yeah. Five years ago? When... You had just started dating your husband, Rick, and Rick was in ROTC with Austin and Austin came home like Rick started dating this girl and he likes her a lot and she's coming to the ROTC ball. So you should be her friend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just remember it was so funny because it was like, yeah, I'll be her friend. And then before you know it, you guys were getting married and we just... The ROTC wife really stuck together, which was that great. was such a great group. I loved that. I it loved was. doing stuff together. It was because I feel like the guys got along really well, and then we got along really well because they kept on hanging out in foxholes and in the rain <laughs> over the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> FTXs and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, I know that's so. It's so great to. We haven't really had that sense like that same kind of dynamic and relationship where like we would do stuff all together so much like by choice and (laughs) it it really is it changes the the experience when you have like that whole network of people who are in the same position as you in the same boat and you guys are going through these things together having that group of people to be your friend through it all is really a cool thing yeah it was a special group so, Ashley, why don't you tell everybody, um, obviously, you're in the military, but kind of tell us about your family and your experience since getting married and what's happened to your husband's career since then. Okay, so we started dating. The day we started dating um, was actually the day he signed his contract. So he did ROTC. Um, he was a contracted cadet through ROTC, so he never did basic training or anything like that. ROTC serves as a substitute for that. So he um, contracted as a cadet and finished the rest of his ROTC training. Um, I graduated from college the same time as he commissioned. So that worked out well. We both left Rexburg and, well, I guess back up a little bit. He decided to go National Guard um, because we just felt like it would be a better option for our family. Um, By that time, well, I guess about eight months before he commissioned, we had our first son. And him being born really changed our direction and our plan for our Army lifestyle. So he still at that point had a decision whether active duty or National Guard would be his route. And he chose National Guard. So with National Guard, you find a branch, or not a branch, you find a position in a unit wherever you think your civilian job will be. So 
he decided he was going to work in the civilian sector with his dad. So we would try to find a unit in California. He um, was originally thinking infantry. And then we felt like we were guided in a different direction. And he was actually able to secure an aviation slot in Northern California. Um, it was the whole process was a total miracle because usually people spend six months to a year filling out these packets, doing these board interviews, taking exams, getting qualified. And what, and Rick was able to do all of that in six weeks. And he got his slot, he got the interviews, he did really well on the exams. Um, I was super proud of him. So he was able to secure um, an aviation slot here in Northern California. I think there was only two in his cycle that were able to get that. So he did that. We waited for, we waited in California for about a year before we went to flight school in Alabama. Um, we went to flight school in Alabama at Fort Rucker for 15 months. And that was really intense training for him. Um, it's really well known as being just a really hard thing to get through. Um, you go to SEER school, that's a month, uh, really intense training, no contact, and just physically, mentally really demanding. So he did SEER school, he did Dunker, which is a course of when your helicopter crashes into water. So it's a lot of really intense training. There's the... They practice that? Yeah. So they put you in a helicopter and then they submerge it and flip it upside down and you have to get out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And there's That's a, terrifying. I know. And, but it's, he loves that stuff. Like he was excited for it. That was one of his favorite courses at, at Fort Rucker. It's crazy. And SEER school, like they starve you for days. Well, I guess you're not really supposed to talk about it. It's classified. It's a classified training. So he's... He's not actually allowed to talk to me about any of it, um, but it's really intense. I mean, he came home, lost a lot of weight, and was very bruised up. So that was intense. And then flight school, it's just check rides, and, and it's just extremely fast pace. There's different sections of it, instruments and combat flight maneuvers and all those kinds of things. And it was really stressful. And in that time while we were there, I was pregnant and gave birth to our second child, a little girl. And so with both my pregnancies, I've had hyperemesis. So that was a really hard year for us. And then being on the opposite side of the country from any of our family, um, that was really hard. But it was just one of those things where somehow you get through it day to day. Um, so we just finished flight school the other well, and back in March, moved back to California for um, him to resume at his unit. And then he would finish his or work on his civilian job. And then, well, we've known about this deployment for about a year, which I don't know if that is worse or better. <laughs> give you a year to dread it. But we, so we've known about this deployment for a year. So he started, moved back to California in March. He started back at his civilian career. Um, and then in May, so he was only there for like six weeks. In May, he started at his unit full time preparing for the deployment. As there's only two officers, I believe, going on the deployment. So he has a leadership role in that and has a lot to do with that. So he is about three weeks out now from leaving. He'll go to Fort Hood for about a month and then be in Kosovo for a year. 
total, the total time will be about a year. So what has been the hardest part so far, do you think? I don't know. I feel like I could, <laughs> there's so many things about it that are really hard sometimes. Um, I think the main things for me are just not really being able to have any long-term plans or short-term plans, plans in general, not really knowing what's next is really hard and being able to roll with the punches with that um, is something that I'm only feeling like I'm just now getting more comfortable with. Um, and then a lot of, a lot of the struggle, which I'm sure for other people as well is um, well, at least I know at flight school, it was an extremely time intensive training. So late nights studying, um, he just, he did a really good job of balancing the time, but I know that for a lot of people, it was very hard to not have them around nearly as much as you would like, or they were home, but you, they were studying. So like you couldn't really, they weren't really there. They weren't present, but not knowing what's coming next or where you'll be going next, whether you'll be by family or whether you'll be overseas. Um, for us, within the National Guard side of it, we do have a little bit more say in that, which is comforting. But I know for a lot of my friends in the active duty side, you just have to have the right mindset to be able to take whatever assignment and to make the best of it. I have a hard time not having long-term plans. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's a difficulty, but how how have you been overcoming that? You were saying that you're just now getting comfortable. What's kind of has there been like a certain process that you've been putting yourself through to get to a better place with it? I think I'm just realizing that the past few years, as we've gone through like so many different changes and moves, and this is we're moving right now. We're in the process of moving right now. It'll be our sixth. I think our sixth move in the last four years um, in three different states and different regions of the country. So we've done a lot of that. And I feel like I am getting better at just finding the good in it, not thinking. I think the hardest part with not having plans is your things are not going the way you want them to go. You're not getting the assignment that you want to get. The timeline for your move is not the way that you want it to be. It's not what's most convenient. So I'm getting better at realizing that all of these things are out of my control. And so me stressing about it or me getting worked up about it or not being happy about it really doesn't serve me any purpose because it doesn't, it's not in my control. It's not something that I can change. So being upset about it doesn't help anybody. It just makes it all harder. It makes it more stressful for Rick and makes it harder on the kids and it's not enjoyable for anyone. So I'm just trying to be better about accepting those changes as they come and making the most of each situation so that we can enjoy it. Like a move doesn't have to be miserable and stressful. Like you can make it a better situation by just finding the good in it and being happy that you are together, like that you're physically together at that time. For me now thinking about him being gone for a year, I can make almost any situation better by just thinking about, well, at least we're together right now. Cause it's not always going to be that yeah. way. So just finding the good in it and realizing that being negative or angry or frustrated just isn't going to make anything better because a lot of these things that are happening as military wives are out of our control. 
a lot of the decisions made, yeah. the way that paperwork goes through, all of that stuff is not in our control. So we shouldn't let it get to us. And I like what you said that it doesn't serve you. Like right now we are waiting for our orders. We've known our report date. Our report date is in just over a month and we still don't have orders. So we can't even schedule the move. And I know. And that's totally typical. It's, which is so funny, but like, I, I just like what you said, like me worrying about it and stressing out about it doesn't do me any good. So kind of like, that's, that's just making me think I like that point a lot. Like why, why spend our time in emotions that aren't going to do us any service? Right. I like that a lot. And you have so little, like I'm, I just realized how little time we have together when you are doing training or work or when you essentially have two jobs when you're National Guard and you have your civilian job and your National Guard job and you're having a deployment coming up your time together is so minimal and so I want all the time we have to left together to be pleasant and happy and rewarding and fulfilling and to create good memories while we're still together so I just want to do everything I can to stay happy and to make it a happy time for our family and just having a positive mindset, like rolling with the punches is yeah. making that better. Yeah. I like that a lot. So how have you been preparing for race deployment? Like, because you've known about it for a year, has that helped you think of anything that you needed to do to kind of get ready, whether that's for you or like doing anything for your son to help him? So our, the church that we belong to has um, this really great program that they've come out with recently for supporting military families. Um, I think it, it's called being a, a self-reliant and resilient family. Um, and it has, it has a great booklet with lots of um, like military-specific um, scenarios and like how we can become more resilient, more self-reliant people to endure the hard times and the separations and then how to come back together as a stronger family after. Um, so we've just been going, we do a family night every Monday night. And so we've been going through that booklet as a family and our son is three and a half. So we try to get him to like glean as much as he can off of it, but we do realize that it is more for Rick and I at this point. So We've been reading through that and that's been really helpful and talks a lot about like coping mechanisms and character traits that we can develop that will help our family. So that is like a, a literal thing we've been doing to prepare. And then just like as I have concerns or as I have things that come up in my mind or things that worry me or I've just been trying to be more open and talking to him about them as they come up. So the past several months and then as things have gotten closer, we talk about our worries and concerns and then try to develop solutions that we will put into practice at during the deployment, like, um, community, like building that communication so that we can work through those problems and try to even be a bit proactive about them. So we talk about, for me, I talk about what worries me about him being gone. And then we'll try to think of some ideas of things that we can do to stay closer to each other. And for him, for him to stay close to the kids. Um, there are things that I can do while I'm here with the kids, like pictures and videos and crafts and sending him things and um, that help him to feel still involved in a part of things. 
So for Maverick, since he's only three and a half, we've tried talking to him about how daddy's going to go on a long work trip um, and things like that. But he's still just too young for it. So it's really, I think that makes it even sadder because essentially he's just going to wake up one day and his dad will be gone for a year and he won't understand why. But thankfully with technology, we're hoping you never know until you get, until he gets there, but we're hoping that we can FaceTime and that we'll be able to have daily communication um, to find a way to make that work. And I think that that will be for kids. That is the most, in, the most crucial thing for them staying connected. And we're doing books of pictures yeah. um, that each of the kids will have like a daddy book with pictures of him and them and our family and mostly pictures of that, that child and, and Rick specifically. And they'll look through that and have that. There's other programs like you can get, um, books and they can record them reading books and that will play while the kids read or, are reading that book. Uh, there's um, Build-A-Bear. You can record uh, voice in a Build-A-Bear. And there are a lot of programs that have um, different incentives for military families and especially deployment and with children. So we're looking into those kinds of things as well. That's awesome. I like that you guys are just, I, I like that you're having open communication and instead of just saying, well, that won't be a problem, mm-hmm. you've kind of created a plan to make sure it's not a problem. Because I think a lot of times, I know even Austin and I have done this, like we'll have concerns, but then we just say, well, we love each other and we're faithful and we're good people and all that kind of stuff. So it won't happen to us. But then sometimes like none of the bad things have ever happened, but communication has been strained. Like we have felt that distance. Mm-hmm. Whereas I like that you guys are very proactive about it. Yeah. It's been really nice. And it's helped us to like, to draw closer to each other in these months before he's leaving. Um, and really open up that line of communication of things that will be hard. And he's done a great job of not making me feel like I'm just adding burden to his stressful time of deployment. And I think that that's been really great because I feel comfortable talking to him about what my concerns are. And we're both recognizing that it, it will be a very hard year for our family. Um, but we might as well make the best of it because it's happening. So being able to talk to each other and try to use this time apart to develop different facets of our relationship and different aspects of each other, that, that will be a good thing. I've spoken to several friends who have gone through several deployments and there, there is a closeness that you can gain from this hard time. I like that instead of just kind of succumbing to the fact that you'll be distant or whatever, but just trying to keep your eye out for the way that you can still build your relationship. Totally. I like that Mm -hmm. a lot. Okay. Last question. (laughs) Are you ready? What is your key to thriving you'd like to share with your fellow waiting warriors? Well, I, I think one thing that happened with us at flight school that really changed a lot for me was, Rick sat me down and this was like mid pregnancy. Um, and my, I'm, my pregnancies just like rock my world. They're so hard. So 
I was really struggling. And then he was in a really hard part of flight school and we had a one-year-old. Um, so it was just really hard. He suggested that I get a hobby and that I pursue that for myself and do something for myself and develop a skill. And I had no idea where that came from, but I am like eternally grateful that he said that because I had always wanted to start sewing and I had always wanted to pick that up. And it was a money issue. It's costly to get started and buying supplies and a machine and stuff. And he really supported me in doing that. And I am always advocating to my friends now, like do things for yourself, do like develop your talents and your skills and do those things because it, it will bring a, a different aspect to your life outside of just taking care of your kids and supporting your husband. Having that hobby has really, it's really, it's been good. It gives me time where I'm doing something that I like to do, creating and it's mentally stimulating. It's hard and it's been something to be proud of myself for um, developing this new skill that I hadn't had before. So I, I think having hobbies is a great thing that's given me, it's like a, a distraction as well as a talent that I can use to bless the lives of others in my family. Um, doing those things for yourself and self-care, working out and taking care of your appearance will, will help you feel better. And I've always, and this is something I really struggle with, but keeping that positive mindset that will always do more for you than anything else and doing the things that you need to do to keep yourself in that positive mindset. And just as another advocate of sewing, <laughs> you look so good doing it. You showed um, the dress that you did. you showed a picture on Instagram and it's so cute. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I really love it. And it's been fun and it's, it makes me feel good thinking like I have my own things that make that are individual to me that are outside of my roles as wife and mother, which are my favorite roles. But having that personal hobby and something that you started with and that you've cultivated and gotten good at and that you can continue to progress in, that's really fun and that that will keep this because like the deployment, it's good to stay busy, not too busy to where you're like running faster than you have strength, but having hobbies and a good support system and a network of friends. Those are things that will keep you busy in a good way. They'll keep your cup full and all of those things will help. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Ashley, for coming on the show. I know I have learned a lot. I've been well fed and hopefully, well, not hopefully I know all the listeners will have been as well. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. It was fun. It is fun. Well, for all you other listeners out there, I will talk to you next week. And again, Ashley, thanks so much. Today's episode is sponsored by Brave Crate. Brave Crate is the deployment countdown box inspiring military spouses to focus on self-care and personal development as they count down to homecoming. Deployment can be tough, but Brave Crate is the monthly reminder that you are tougher. Every box includes carefully curated treats, tools, and tips for braving deployment along with personalized challenges, a countdown calendar, 
exclusive trainings, and access to an online community of motivated military spouses. BraveCrate is the perfect way to invest in yourself during deployment or to send as a gift to the military spouse you love. Take $5 off your first BraveCrate with code WARRIOR at www.bravecrates.com. That's www.b-r-a-v-e-c-r-a-t-e-s.com. <laughs>